angels, messengers of God and guides to humans. Are they divine or could there be another explanation for them? Some say that the Bible is evidence of extraterrestrial visitation. Could the description of wings just be misinterpreted yet pecs? Stay tuned to find out the answers to these questions and more. Hi, hello and welcome to Digging Up Ancient Aliens. This is the podcast where we examine the TV show Ancient Aliens. Do the claims hold water to an archaeologist or are there better explanations out there? I'm your host Frederick and this is episode 14 and we are going biblical. To help us stay on the path of rightnesses we will be joined by Dr. Tine Rassel. We will learn the true meaning of angels and if the true meaning of the world itself should really be written alien. Remember that you can find sources, resources and reading suggestions on our website diggingupancientaliens.com. There you will also be able to find contact info if you notice any mistakes or have any suggestions. And if you like the podcast I would really appreciate it if you left one of those fancy five star reviews that I heard so much about. Well, enough of me jammering. Let's open up this book and try to avoid being turned into salt pillars. And then I want to welcome Dr. Tine Russell to the show. Welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, would you mind maybe introduce yourself to the audience? Sure, sure. Um, so hi, my name is Tine and I am a biblical archaeologist. Uh, that means that I study the material culture of um, ancient Judaism and early Christianity um, in the Middle East. So I specialize in excavating and then reporting and researching so objects and architecture that was produced by um, ancient Jews. So Bronze Age, Iron Age, around 1200 BCE before Christ um, in the Middle East, Syria, Palestine. And all the way through um, early Christianity, the early Christians in the Middle East, mm-hmm. let's say until the end of the 7th century, um, early Byzantine period. Um, that's what I do. All right. And um, do you want to share maybe your credentials? Uh, where did you study? Sure. So I'm originally from Belgium, as you can hear in my beautiful Dutch accent. Um, and I have a bachelor's and a master's in archaeology of the ancient Near East from um, Ghent University in Belgium. And then I also have another bachelor in Hebrew and Aramaic languages from Leiden University in the Netherlands. Um, I worked for a couple of years in museums in the Netherlands. And then I moved to the U.S. in 2014. Um, to get a doctoral degree, a PhD um, at the University of North Carolina um, in biblical archaeology, so ancient Mediterranean religions and archaeology. And I just graduated um, in December, so I'm a newly minted PhD. um, And now I'm looking for a job, basically. But um, I've been excavating um, for 20 years 
in the Middle East and I've worked at different museums in the world. Um, so I, will, I, I like to think that I know a little bit about <laughs> what the topic of this, uh, of this episode uh, was. Amazing. So if you have a job for uh, Tina, you can just send her an email. Please, you can find me on, on Twitter. I'm, I'm the only one in the world with my name. So the moment you Google me, <laughs> you find everything I've ever done is on the internet, which, you know, has its upsides and its downsides, but I'm very easy to find on the internet. So if you ever want to find me, I have a website and I'm on, on Twitch and I'm on Discord um, with my name. So I should be very easily uh, to be tracked down. And, uh, and you can just give me a job. I would love that. Yes. A lot of patience, as you will notice during this episode. Um, do you want to tell the audience what we watched? <laughs> yes. So we watched uh, episode seven of season two of Ancient Aliens, uh, which was titled um, Angels and Aliens. So it was an episode. Oh, wow. It was a whirlwind. <laughs> it was an episode about how angels who we know from the Hebrew Bible, so from the Old Testament and the New Testament and some other biblical sources, um, how they could have been perhaps aliens who have visited our planet in the past. And we just misinterpreted these whole uh, stories, all these biblical stories, if you're completely wrong, they were not some messengers sent by God, but they were in fact little gray aliens visiting us. That was the episode. <laughs> You summarize it very shortly <laughs> and somehow totally correct. Uh, that's it. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> no, but uh, have you encountered any of these claims previously? Either the ancient alien phenomenon itself or what they have brought up? Is it something they teach you in uh, biblical archaeology school? honestly say that that was the first time I ever heard that kind of uh, interpretation and I've heard some wild stories but that that was definitely a new one um I had yeah no I hadn't really watched much ancient aliens of course I know of it and I know the phenomenon um and my husband likes oh he loves to put on ancient aliens <laughs> when I'm not paying attention and then plays this game where he counts down the minutes how long it takes me to uh to actually <laughs> realize that we're watching ancient aliens, all of a sudden I hear something in the background and I'm like, what are you watching? And then he's like, ah, it's ancient aliens. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> so that's, that's about the, as far as my, uh, as my knowledge of the, of the show went before I watched this episode. This was the first time that I actually really sat down, watched the episode from beginning to end, paused it, took notes, did my research. Uh, I never put that much effort in it. Um, and yeah, those claims, uh, those were all definitely very new to me. <laughs> they were wild. But um, how about we start to dig into them, so to say? So I just want to bring up quickly, the, they have usually these highlight intros where they, you know, take snippets from the episode and, you know, catching your attention. And they, we have a Jason Martell, who is quite familiar to regular viewers or listeners, who brings up. I don't believe that they, that they had wings. And I've written, I'm sure he's going for a jetpack later. And we will see if I'm right there. But <laughs> after the very epic intro, we open up on an O'Neillson survey. Of course, it's 10 years old by now, but it's saying something like 7 out of 10 Americans believe in angels, yada, yada. 
yeah. which really surprised me. Like, really, seven out of ten people in the U.S. believe in in angels. And I actually looked it up because you said, indeed, the survey is 10 years old. So I looked it up on the internet to try to find some figures that are a, lot, a, a little bit more uh, modern. But it, it's still the same. The, the latest wow. surveys that I read still said seven or eight out of 10 Americans. And, the, and, and Europe, a little bit lower, but still four or five out of 10 in, in, in Europe, which I still thought was, was higher than I expected it. <laughs> but, you know, then I thought about it. You know, if I would ask my parents, for example, my mom, do you believe in angels? I, I think she would say no. But then on the other hand, like her father passed away, my grandfather. And I do believe that sometimes she will say like, oh, grandfather watches over us or, you know, he has stopped me from doing this thing that, you know, might have been dangerous, sort of like a guardian angel. And I thought about it in that way. I'm like, okay, if we talk about it in that way, how like loved ones who have passed away are still kind of like taking care of you or watching over you, then I could see that. That that seemed a little bit different than, you know, some alien or some angel visiting you on a, on a Saturday afternoon and comes over for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Seems a little bit of a different concept. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe that whole uh, loved ones hanging over you idea would be closer to what I indeed could see people believing in. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about how you ask the question. I'm not that surprised about American numbers since America is a uh, quite Christian nation in a sense, but again, it's how you phrase the question. Is it a fire, brimstone, flaming sword kind of angel? Or, you know, the more fluffy, spiritual guardian angels, oh, granny is looking over us from heaven with the cat and the turtle that got lost a few summers ago. Or maybe they believe in like these angels that will come at the end of time, right? That are not really like Hmm. coming to our planet right now, but maybe when the apocalypse happens, there will be angels. Something like that, perhaps? I don't know. You should ask him. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And we have uh, Folko who is introducing herself to uh, that angels are in all cultures, at least Mediterranean cultures. I'm not super familiar with that, but sure, I think the Greek have different messengers. The Babylonians have, or Assyrians definitely had, and of course, messengers in Hebrew. And then you bring up Malak, or is it the show too? <laughs> that, that one made me giggle. So at some point, they're like, okay. So clearly the, the English word angel does not appear in the Hebrew Bible, right? The Hebrew Bible was written in Hebrew. But the word that they use in Hebrew is malach, which means messenger. Like a, a, an angel is a messenger who brings a sort of intermediary figure between God and people who brings messages from God, um, which, yeah, I could understand. And then and later when the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek, in the Septuagint, that became angelos. And that is where we get the angel word from. And Angelos is also kind of a messenger, the Greek Greek translation of it. But what made me laugh is at some point they show the Hebrew word malach in big letters on the screen in Hebrew script. But they write it from left to right. (laughs) Like Hebrew is written from right to left. And I kind of assume that most people know that. And that if you open up a Hebrew Bible, that's how you would see the word. So I have no idea why all of a sudden they show the Hebrew word and they write it from left to right. 
I mean, either either you can read Hebrew and you clearly see that that is not how you write the word, or you cannot read Hebrew and then you just see some signs. So it doesn't matter what direction the letters are in; you can't read it anyway. So what's the whole point of of mirroring this word? Because the audience don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, the audience wouldn't know. Then they can't read it anyway. So I, I was I, looks- at that point. I was already like, okay, if you don't even know the writing like the direction of the world how am i gonna trust the rest of this episode like you don't you already have your basics wrong this is the attention to details that ancient alienists are known to have i mean at least have someone look over your if you're gonna do a topic on the bible let a have a biblical scholar you know there's also conservative biblical scholars and creationist biblical scholars that you can invite, have them look over your episode and point out details like that. I mean, come on. It's basic uh, basic due diligence, I thought. Okay. And then the whole thing here is to say that people don't really talk with God in the Old Testament. I think their their main goal is to say that the angels are who they speak with to speak with God, but at the same time forgetting about Moses, who, as I remember, clearly spoke with God. But it wasn't that on the mountains, or was that also through something else? Oh, I think it was just a voice that came. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if a, if a voice can come down, then a voice could come down at any time. Yeah, I don't know why you would need angels then. That's a good, that's a good point. Then we have my favorite character, Bill Barnes. He claims that angels are not from Earth, so therefore they are ETs. Right. So that's the the first claim that he makes, right? So he says, okay, so angels are not from this planet. They are not from this Earth, so they're extraterrestrial. So they're ETs. They're ETs. And so he says, our modern concept of angels and ETs are the same. I was like, Hmm. are they? Are concepts of angels and ETs the same? If I think about an ET... Like an extraterrestrial being who lives on a planet somewhere, I don't, I don't think that's the same as aliens who are, or angels who are these more spiritual beings or don't have an actual body or live in heaven mm. or you're not gonna find a planet of angels somewhere living in our universe. I, I, I don't think you can say that's the same concept in our modern eyes. I don't think it is. Uh, that was also they make a lot of these statements that they just put out as statements it is that way and every time it was like but but is it that way uh, you can you can't just say something and then we're all gonna accept it as true just because you say it yeah, is it i have my doubts yeah but that's as you will know by now it's kind of how they operate so from here we go to the yeah the dead sea and uh we talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls. They love those. They have come up a couple of times during the um, seasons. But <laughs> then they focus in on the Book of Enoch that descended on Mount Hermon, according to the talking head, Mr. Barnes. So, so the Book uh, yeah. of Enoch is a biblical book um, that did not make it into uh, the canon as we have it for most Christians. Most Christians... So, you know, the Hebrew Bible consists of a lot of different books. And at some point, someone had to select which books make it into the, the fixed canon, which ones are going to be in the Hebrew Bible and which ones are not. 
And so the book of Enoch did not make it into the, into the canon. So it's not actually a biblical book, but mm. it is considered um, extra canonical, as in it is considered not divinely inspired. It's not, it's not, it's not God has not inspired someone to write these books uh, or this book, but it's still, it's still an important philosophical and theological, theological book. But it never claims to be a realistic book. It's not a historical document. It's a word of fic- a, 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 a work of fiction. Um, so the book of Enoch tells about this guy, Enoch, who is visited by angels. He has a vision and the angels take him up into heaven and they show them kind of the different layers of, of heaven. And then, and then he finally meets like the, in the upper layer, uh, the divine beings who are sitting on these thrones. It's kind of what the book that inspired Dante's Inferno, if you're, if you're familiar yeah. with that. Kind of like uh, an extraterrestrial being takes you uh, on this trip um, and then shows you, you know, esoteric, mystical uh, knowledge. But it's never meant to be a historical document of how the angels came to be on this on this on this realm. It was written probably around 300 before Christ, so it's not thousands years old. It wasn't there in the beginning of time. So even even if you know what he says is true, he wrote it hundreds of years after the facts of of the first um, so-called angels coming coming down to earth. So. So that's kind of the the content of the book that they're trying to link here to, aha, see, proof that aliens came to our planet and took this guy Enoch with them and to another planet or I don't know where. Um, they never really get into that if, you know, people go taken up by angels, mm. if that's like a UFO, how you call it, um, um, kidnapping or something. They don't really go into that, which could have been a, a topic for another episode. Yeah. and. From here, we talked more about this ancient text. Of course, everything is ancient and therefore sounds more historical authoritative, <laughs> especially if you're... I keep saying according to these ancient texts. And I'm like, it's not because it's an ancient <laughs> text that it has more, and like you said, more authority or it's more realistic, right? They had fairy tales in the ancient world. They had mythology. Um, and so this book of Enoch, I would definitely put under under um, a book of a work of fiction. Um, so if, it's not because an ancient text says that angels came down that we just have to believe it. That's kind of a weird, ah. a weird mind work to to make, in my opinion. But they are excellent on doing that. Then we have uh, von Däniken, who is an Austrian author, quite famous. If you're not. Yes, that's the, that's the only guy that I had no, that I've heard about <laughs> from this episode. I mean, I was also 15, 16 years old, and I was also interested in, in anything weird and archaeological and spooky, and I don't know what. So I had read some of Van Däniken's school uh, books when I was in high school. Of course, yeah. I grew up and, you know, learned <laughs> the science <laughs> and, and, and facts in, uh, and all of that. But, uh, but I had heard of, of the guy, yeah. But he... Uh... He brings up his, uh, or one of his favorite topics, the horny spaceman who uh, comes down to Earth and uh, ravaging all the human women, because why wouldn't they, I assume? He is never clear, but he claims that Enoch never calls the angels gods, which might be true, because I don't think Enoch would call 
an angel god that he calls them guardians of the sky or watchmen do you think well, they're sort of guardians of the heavenly realms right so they're the the doormen huh. the watchmen of the of the different realms of of heaven so that would make sense but yeah the idea so so at this point they get to the beginning of the hebrew bible where they're like yeah. okay in the beginning the times the the angels came down and then they were the fallen angels and the fallen angels made it with women and then they had offspring and then that became the the giants the nephilim etc cetera, etc cetera. and she's like so it's his idea that we're all descendants of aliens doesn't really that's the main idea of ancient aliens yeah. or or there are two categories so we have the panspermia theory so we as a species come from another planet totally so we are the aliens all along <laughs> but so to me the claim that so so then the claim is these aliens came to our planet and were so attracted by the human women that they couldn't help themselves no 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 not the human women the Cro-Magnum women. They come here, they found the Neanderthal, the Homo habilis, you know, the monkey. Well, if you believe in evolution, right? Wouldn't they not believe in evolution and they're already like full-blown Homo sapiens? If if you would follow that idea. In any case, I always find it very strange (laughs) because if I see how aliens are portrayed um, from people who said that they have been abducted by by aliens, they're these like little gray men, right? Or little green Mm. men. But let's say that you go to their planet. Would you be so attracted to them that you can't stop yourself <laughs> from having sex with them? You don't know how the how these aliens look like. I I doubted that they looked anything like human beings. Like I don't I don't think I would be sexually attracted to uh, to most of what I have seen in a uh, in these alien movies. So kind of kind of is a weird idea that you would be sexually attracted to this other species that you don't yourself look like but okay that's that's the premise that's the premise we're just biological creatures we can't help ourselves (laughs) they just had to have sex with women okay whatever yeah the horny spaceman theory and then you have the the gene splicing theory also there's a couple of different version of this but um anyway let's stick with the the angels for now because they come in and, you know, they're talking about the Nephilim for a little bit, where, again, Giorgio thinks that were they giants or were they aliens, basically. I think his theory is that, again, Giorgio Sokolos is one of those who believes that people can't describe things with words if they don't know what it is. So therefore, they would exchange alien for a Nephilim and vice versa. And therefore, we haven't found any giant fossil bones because aliens don't leave bones or something. Or they just go and die off planet. So even though there is this offspring, this Nephilim, which they believe are aliens, then they wouldn't die on our planet? Uh, when they die i'm not sure what he thinks but his theory was something like that because why wouldn't we have found giant bones yet you're wondering in your nose about the ancient astronaut theories right because they keep saying according to ancient astronaut theories and like i said this is the first time that i'm actually watching this <laughs> these this show so probably they say that a lot but i'm like what is an ancient astronaut theorist and how do you become one Buy one of Van Daniken's books, and then you just copy what he writes in your new book. Okay, okay, okay. I see. I see. So that's your, that's your credential, then. You can... That's your credential. Or you read Zachariah Sitchin, 
who uh, claims to have known all the ancient languages but haven't been able to prove that, uh, leading to a few uh, quite interesting translations of ancient texts. But yeah, ancient astronaut theorists, that's what Van Dan can call it in the 70s before it become ancient aliens. I was just wondering what school they went to that, that you know, they can claim that and in their captions that they're an ancient alien theorist. That's so then right. they move yeah. they move away from the Hebrew Bible uh, and then they zoom out a little bit into other cultures in the Middle East and the, and the ancient Near East. And they start to talk about uh, wings and how winged gods are across the globe. Because can you imagine that someone would have uh, fly and be a god with wings? Yeah, that means that either they had all contact with each other, which is very unlikely because they didn't have any trains back then, or it was aliens. What is most logical about that? Hmm, I wonder, I wonder. It's not about logic, it's about the truth, eh, Frederick. See, that's your problem. You're trying to be more logical than, you know... See? Right. So then they, they talk about how winged gods have been portrayed around the globe in a globe in, in art historical mm. pieces, right? So we have them in Sumerian art, we have them in Babylonian art, we have them in Egyptian art, but they don't really say around the globe. They stay in the in the ancient Near East. They don't talk about <laughs> China or India or anything. No, they're just talking about the, the ancient Near East. And then I'm like, okay, but all of these cultures lived next to each other. Um, all of them dominated each other at some point, right? The the, the yeah. ancient Israelites went into Babylonian exile. They were dominated by the Assyrians. So it's clear that you can influence your ideas onto each other. It would only count if you have independent sources talking about the same phenomenon in their own words, mm. but they have never been in contact with each other. Otherwise, you just have influence. Right. So the whole the whole time that I was watching this episode, I was like, okay, let's let's replace this story um, with Harry Potter. Right. The Harry Potter universe. Someone in the UK comes up with the Harry Potter story, which is a work of fiction. And then that starts to spread. And of course, hundreds and thousands of different cultures and people are going to talk about this phenomenon. But that doesn't mean that they have all encountered this independently. They have all read the books. And they have seen the images and they have, Hmm. I don't know, seen the movies and visited the the theme parks. And so, of course, you're going to have the same depiction of how a wizard looks like, looks like in different cultures or in different cartoons on TV or I don't know what. Because they're all influencing each other. They're all borrowing ideas from each other. That is not evidence for all. No, they all saw the same thing. No, they were they were being influenced by each other. So I don't think that's an argument at all. So we should just drop that off the table. Should push that away. Yeah. And then they do play their favorite game, which is showing something from one of these ancient civilizations and saying it's something that it's not. So we have uh, Michael uh, Carter, who seems to be some sort of priest. He's talking about a disc with wings that's quite common in Babylonian Sumerian art. And what he's talking about is, of course, the sun disc from Assyria usually associated with the royalty if you look at different stellars and pillars. But of course you have a circle with wings, therefore UFO. And uh, then we have our 
house folklorist. He has been in many of these episodes. I've never managed. The Thomas Bullard, that's that guy. I liked him. Yeah, he was Thomas the only Bullard. one where I was like, see, that makes sense what you're saying. I don't know why he's involved in this TV show because everything that he's that he said made sense to me but uh yeah but he talked a little bit about uh, demons pasuso in the mesopotamia that's a demon that symbolized the west wind if i remember correctly and then we get to david wilcock he talks about bible being the best documented evidence for extraterrestrials it's just that we don't know how to interpret the bible right which I was like, oh my God, that's such dangerous rhetoric. We just haven't learned how to read it. This is the same thing that Gnostics and, and people who are into, into New Age and whatever have been saying for mm-hmm. thousands of years, right? The texts are there, but you need another level of consciousness to really understand what they're saying. It's codified. There's a mysterious layer underneath that we are just not trained to understand but you could say that about anything i mean take your harry potter book and and try to come up with a whole different layer of meaning and symbolism you can find that in any text you know if, if there's as much fictional interpretation and, and fantasy going on there yeah yeah the amount of fan art just speaks on how to and fan theories and all of that kind of takes up their own life in the end so yeah i think the pop reference works well here too you have warring factions within the harry potter universe how you should interpret the books properly and all of that so i mean that the, the any good story ever invented is about a battle between good and evil right it's always about yeah. about the good guys and the superheroes and the bad guys and the villains and then overcoming difficulties. And that's just every good story, every good legend. I mean, if you want to put aliens in there, it's hard to see that link. But OK, that's that's what he's that's what he said, that that all refers to aliens and not to fictional characters or to or to historical characters. So like some people in the Hebrew Bible, mm. but him saying that we don't. No, we don't know how to interpret these texts. There's a whole field within humanities called historical criticism, which is exactly trying to do that, trying to understand what is the context in which these stories were written? What was going on in society at that time that would have um, created a story like this? What, what Mm. What were people talking about? What were they worried about? What kind of Mythological stories were already out there. How is this a continuation of that? What were the cultural norms that people believed in? Certain expressions in the book that we don't always understand were clear at that time. And so we're trying to to figure out, okay, what did that expression actually mean? And and often we find another text and that same expression happens with a little bit more context. And Mm. then we're like, okay, so it's used as that expression, that text. So it means it's the same thing here. So that is the meaning of this story, et cetera. That is exactly what scholars try to do with these texts, try to understand the deeper <laughs> meaning of these stories. So to say that no one is doing that and they have the only truth in, in finding the hidden message, like, okay, sure. But that's how they operate. That's why they don't give any reference when they speak about things in general. Even in their books, they are quite scarce where they find something. If you notice, they talk a lot about Enoch, but they never give any passage or it was, you know, this chapter, this verse. Because if they do that, you will go... Yeah, I mean, 
I totally fell for it when I was reading books of the Van Dunek in, in, in high school. But they're like, that line in that text says this. And I'm like, oh my God, that line says this. But then you read two <laughs> sentences further and they're like talking about something completely different. It's like to- totally taken out of context. I mean, you're mm. reading the next sentence. You're like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, they're not talking about that. But that, that of course, they leave out. They only pick you know, that one sentence that they need for their story. (laughs) (laughs) And then we, they talk a little bit about hierarchies of the angels. And that's actually something I wasn't super aware of. I, I have believed until now when you corrected me, basically that the angels are something outside from the Bible. So it's more of the mystical text or within the Catholic canon, something like that. But um, apparently it's mentioned in the Hebrew Bible about the different hierarchies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are the seraphim, the cherubim, the angels, the archangels. So the, ar- the two archangels that appear in the Hebrew Bible are Raphael and, and Michael. So there are angels that we know the names of, and then there are unknown angels, and then there are whole choirs of angels. And then that kind of develops over time. And that probably comes back to their Dead Sea Scrolls, because in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there are a lot of esoteric texts or or more philosophical Mm. texts talking about hosts of angels and, and working in this mystical heavenly temple etc so that that angelology really gets expanded over times but yeah there are mentions of angels already in genesis as the for example the one who guards the temple of eden is an angel so so they do appear in, in not 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 frequently but there are there are some mentions of different kinds of of angels in the hebrew bible and then we come to my favorite part in this episode where Van Daniken says the quiet part out loud. So he says, If you change a few words in the old text, a few keywords, you change the sense of the old text. It's all not coincidence. It was on purpose. Van Daniken, who by accident admitted to uh, making things up in his books and uh, is known to, you know, as he called it, take some artistic liberties in his <laughs> factual textbooks. Maybe you shouldn't say that on TV. Right. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't understand what you're trying to say here. If you change a few words in the old texts, you change the sense of old texts. I'm like, yes, okay. And your point is? like That if you switch angels to... Okay, but you, then you can make a text say anything. <laughs> If you change a few words in the Harry Potter universe, it's no longer about wizards, but it's about aliens. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can do that. But then what's the point of the whole thing? I'm not quite sure what what they're trying to say here. No, but uh, I think what they want to say is that look how easy it would be to put an alien and everything works just fine. It's because they meant alien, but wrote angel, I guess. But uh, as you say, if you can change any word as you please in the text, the whole point of the text becomes useless. <laughs> and, that was, that was yeah. the end of part one, the introduction. Ton, ton, ton. And we open up on the Guardians, which is, we start with recapping the story of Lot's wife or basically we recap the ancient aliens story of lot's wife because they say something like how would lot know that they were angels that came to him if they looked like any other person they are ignoring half the story because there's more to it than they just come there to say lot you should get out before god smites the whole town 
Right. So this is the yeah. story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So a lot yeah. of his family lives in Sodom and God is going to destroy the city because there's too many sinners in there. And so the angels travel to Sodom and they encounter Lot and they, they warn him that this is going to happen and that they should leave um, the town before, before the, the town gets destroyed, basically. That's the story. Hmm. And then they say, okay, well, they could... They knew that they were angels because they looked, they must have looked differently. So clearly they were aliens because aliens also look differently. Something like that. Yeah. But then they also make the point, and on top of that, they were trying to help Lot. So these angels, yeah. these aliens so come. come to our planet to help us. Yeah. And, or not us in general, but Lot specifically. So they were just there to get him out of the town with his family but the reason why he got out was basically because he were nice to them and offered up their house and when the crowd comes to they want to uh, sleep with the with the visitors and that's the story yeah. right? sodom is is being accused of being sodomite right of being homosexuals and so they put yeah. in the bible that they're so lustrous that they see these strange men come in and they're like ah new new flesh and they knock on the door and they want to have intercourse with these visitors. And Lot says, no, yeah. here are my virgin daughters. Have them instead. What a nice fella. Yeah. Yeah, very generous. And due to that, the angels decide to take Lot and, you know, drag him basically out of the city. So, again, not really what they want to convey here. And they show these, or what I interpreted as black metal angel statues, you know, the dark with <laughs> very chanting music. First by images of angels in statues and in paintings from around the world that they probably found on Google search. And they just put into the episode, often accompanied by some chants, some Gregorian chants mm. and dark, ominous music to give us a sense of we should be very scared of these angels, I guess. I think here they want to move that there's uh, a fallen race of angels, the watchers that teach Enoch a bunch of things. Yes. So, um, so, he, they, so Enoch that's... gets educated in this sort of esoteric knowledge, which includes... Mm. Uh, information on the right calendar and so that's very important for ancient Judaism because you have to know when to do the right rituals and, and celebrate yeah. Shabbat and such so he gets like the correct calendar to follow from from the angels so that's that kind of information and also how to make weapons I looked that part up as calendars weapons and how to paint your eyes because that's important things to know especially from the fallen so they invented space time and go to earth to teach people how to use uh, mascara and <laughs> right because time after time they come back and they say like ah oh, the aliens are here to help us and to move us forward throughout history and to like make us become a better species but you and I wrote down on our notes, like, well, wouldn't they like explain proper hygiene instead and maybe give us medication? And like, wouldn't that help us more than than or how to make a sword? Yeah. Think that people will be more happy about germ theory than uh, mascara theory in the end of the day. But uh, who am I? I haven't invented the warp speed yet. So, right, right. Maybe they have different priorities <laughs> on the, on their planet. Uh, Frederick, you, you know, you don't know. No, no, the, that's the whole point. We're just asking a bunch of what if questions and uh, show a bunch of uh, stock photos. From there, we 
quickly pivot to something I didn't expect at all, because if you're familiar with ancient aliens, you might or understand that they are highly racist, so that they bring up Islam now. It was a bit jaw-dropping for me, at least. I did not count it. They don't talk a lot about it, but they talk about the notion about two angels, one on each side of the shoulder, taking notes, which is a thing in uh, Islam. So if you go to Surah 50, verse 16 to 18, they are mentioned and also later as noble writers. And my Arabic is non-existent. I barely speak Swedish, so they're called uh, Kirman Katibin. I'm sorry to that lonely Iranian listener that I have. I'm very sorry. <laughs> well, they one write all the good deeds, the one write all the bad, and then in the end, uh, God Allah will use this to judge people on the day of judgment. To the Tobit and the first mention of a named angel, or a guardian angel. I didn't really understand. So now we're moving yeah, so back to the Hebrew Bible, here. right? Yeah. So now we're getting to the book of Tobit, which is also not in the uh, official Bible used by Protestants. Um, but the book of Tobit is a, a very entertaining story. And I assign it to my students in class a lot. Um, it's a story about Tobit. He lives abroad, so he doesn't live in Israel, Palestine. He lives in exile, but he's trying to stay faithful true to god in this foreign culture and so mm-hmm. he is being um, lauded as like he buries the, the the deceased people which you should do according to jewish law and his son so his son tobias uh, respects his dad and his parents which you should do according to jewish law and and then there's this mm-hmm. crazy story about how there is a woman in another village and she's trying to find a husband and she's been marrying guys and they all die on their wedding night Every single time that she marries a guy, they die on their wedding night. So he's, she has a bit of a problem. And then Tobit also has a problem that he needs to have some money. And he sends his son to that village by coincidence to go fetch that money. And on, their, on the trip, he doesn't know exactly where that village is. There's this guide that comes and helps him. And that is, of course, an angel, the angel of mm. Raphael. And so the angel helps him to get to that village. And then he meets the girl and apparently there was a curse by a demon or a fallen angel, whatever you want to call it, on the girl. And Raphael helps to do a magical act using fish guts to get the curse lifted. And then the son marries the woman and he does not die overnight and they live happily ever after. It's kind of, kind of the story. Yeah, I didn't really understand. I think it's that there was guardian angels and how they interfered with their life. The ancient aliens were after, but the, yeah, they didn't. Uh, right. So this is another example of how like yeah. aliens have come down in the past yeah. to help us and to protect us, etc. But again, this is a story. This is a book of fiction. No one claims that this is a historical event that actually happened. I mean, it's full mm-hmm. of fantastical elements. Um, and the book itself has a lot of mistakes in it, as in geographical mistakes. It was clearly written hundreds of years after the time in which the story says it took place. So it's referring to place names that didn't exist yet at the time or to names of kings that are just wrong if you would calculate yeah. the calendars. So it's clearly a made-up story. Let's say we are writing a story about 
um, England in the 15th century, but we don't know a lot about England. So we put in a couple of names like London and, and, and King Arthur <laughs> and whatever all together. It doesn't really make sense. But so that's the story. So, so no one claims that this actually happened and this angel actually came and visited this dude named Tobit and all of this happened. But they use it as an example of like, ah, another story that was written down from ancient times about an event that happened to them, basically. And they talk a little about the end times and the book of revelations. And because they like to have the theme that there's good aliens, bad aliens, and they are warring with each other. That's why they leave so much evidence behind. But at the same time, they don't because they are warring. So they, you know, explode and go up in smoke. From here, we move on to talk about you know, the physiology of angels and wings of angels. The scientific research <laughs> behind the angel. The scientific explanations. And we open up on the Acts of Apostles. Again, they don't give you what part of the book, but with some googling and a handy Bible, I figure out it's 12, 6 to 11. And... <laughs> I, I don't, didn't get the feeling that they told the original version because we have uh, Paul being imprisoned in Rome. And uh, is it one alien or two aliens or angels uh, that they talk about? I think it's one that all of a sudden just show up front of Paul because everybody is asleep. No, it's it's it's, it's Peter. It's the story of Peter. Ah, so we're we're in Palestine. Yeah. Yes, yes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story about Peter. So Paul is already. This is a story from the New Testament after Jesus had been crucified and all of that. So we're after that time, and Paul mm. is away on missionary um, travels, and Peter is behind, right? He's supposed to start the church of Jesus. And so he is arrested for being a follower of Jesus. And so he is the one in prison being guarded by soldiers. Yeah. So that's, that's the story, the background. Go ahead. Yeah. And the uh, angel appears and opening up all the doors and, you know, busting him out of their uh, Hollywood movie style, it seems like, with some sleeping guns. And as you're hinting at, it's not really... The full story. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very short story, right? It, it talks about how Peter is imprisoned and all of a sudden um, an angel appears to him and the angel says, uh, put back on your clothes because clearly he wasn't fully clothed. Mm. Um, and his shackles, his chains fall off his wrists um, and he said, okay, I'm going to lead you out. And so he opens the prison door and they manage to get past the guards and then come in front of the big gate of the prison and that opens as well and they go out and then the angel disappears. And so that's the, the mythological story of how Peter came to be from being arrested by King Herod for following Jesus, but then was in yeah. the end still able to go out there and, and um, talk about Jesus uh, because he's no longer in prison. And from here we move on to, the, to again, uh, Michael Carter. Uh, the Revenant, who talks about the similarities between alien visitations and visitation by angels. Of course, you know, you sleep and then you wake up in strange places, knowing the time, which could be explained by sleep paralysis also. But uh, Michael Cremo, also one 
very common fella in this show chimes in that uh, all these angel accounts that we hear about in modern times, in ancient times, are real historical events because they are written down. Why would somebody lie about this? Come on. He just says it as another firm statement. These accounts are real historical events because they are presented that way. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, well, of course, that, that makes it much more real then because they were presented in a realistic way. They are realistic. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, of course. Sure, I'll follow that. Mm-hmm. And then you bring up that there are some five angel visitation in 800 years. Right, because they say, so angels have been, or, uh, or um, aliens have been constantly helping us out and move the earth along. They have been constant visitors helping history to, to where we are. I'm like, constant, really? Are there? Uh, how many visitations were there? Like five visitations in like 800 years of the Hebrew Bible? <laughs> Not really constant. And again, they seem to be helping Christianity along. How yeah. is freeing Peter helping the world? Unless you think that Christianity is helping the world to be a very theological way of looking at it. They really wanted Christianity to exist. Is is that the point of of, of these uh, aliens? Uh, okay. It will be a later episode, but yes, Jesus was an alien. Ah! Uh, <laughs> I should have known. Of course. Don't worry, Tina. We will get there, but that's uh, a later episode. And then, oh, and then we get to to my favorite part. <laughs> it's about the scientific analysis of the wings of angels. Ton, ton, ton. Yes, the literal wings of angels. Because, you know, you need to fly and therefore you need wings. And they talk a little bit how, how, would, um, how would people back then know that there was something special without them if they didn't have wings. So again, they go back to, you know, how they painted angels in the early time. But they skip over the part where angels wasn't depicted with wings, because that's a later art historian phenomenon, as I have understood it. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird, because on the one hand, they're like, they say a couple of times, like, yeah, these uh, these uh, angels, didn't, they, are, they didn't have wings. They looked like aliens without wings. But then on the other hand, they say, well, they only recognized them in the Hebrew Bible because they had wings. And so they clearly mm-hmm. were not human. I'm like, okay, but you have to make up your mind here. Did they or did they not have wings? They seem to be confused themselves. They tend to do that a lot. Then we get to the really good stuff that you're fishing after here. Religious tradition has perpetuated the notion of bird-like wings to explain an angel's mode of travel. But is such a concept even scientifically plausible? Because that's the important thing here. We don't want to wonder if, well, angels are real. No, we're going to focus in but can they really fly with ring, wings on their back? I, would, I, know, they... I, was, I was so confused by it. I'm like, why is this relevant at all? <laughs> so then they go to this university that has done a study of like how the wings <laughs> should be moving and how heavy a body can maximum be to have yeah. these wings that fly in a certain way. And I'm like, why does this matter at all? They're aliens. They maybe weighed one kilo. Who knows? They didn't have physical bodies, I think. So, uh, okay. No, but they are, as you're saying, they're spending quite 
a lot of time going into you know oh but it's impossible if they you know had bird wings because if you fly like this up and down you know you you don't get any lift you need to have it like the birds are you know horizontal and then they end up oh but we are too heavy anyway so people can't fly with wings like that so why have we spent all this time talking about wings on <laughs> also they kind of assume because they talk about like they, these angels or aliens would have one set of wings on the top of their back coming out of their shoulders. But that is never <laughs> described in the Hebrew Bible or any of these no, ancient no. texts about where the wings were on the body. Were they coming out of their heads or out of their feet or um, how many pairs there are? Because they found a, a quote from the Quran that they said there were angel messages with wings two or three or four pairs. So the Quran says that maybe there were multiple pairs of wings on these on these people. And then they keep showing images of angels depicted in modern or medieval statues yeah. and, and uh, paintings as evidence of this is how it looked like. So it must be true that they are, that they had that kind of body. But these are, of course, all, you know, human interpretations <laughs> based on text that is like, that has nothing... It, the Hebrew Bible didn't come with a set of drawings showing how these wings and things look like. I was just so confused. There are many different ways of flying. I mean, Harry Potter flies on a broomstick and Superman flies, I don't know how, straight up. We're going to move back to what I mentioned in the beginning here because George chimes in claiming that it's never depicted how they fly. And if they do, they just come down from heavens. And then we go to... Jetpacks, because again, Giorgio Tsoukalos, he have this notion, as I mentioned before, that ancient people can't describe things with the words that they have. Therefore, they invent things like dragons and wings and angels because they didn't see wings. They saw jetpacks because alien had jetpacks. And then we spend quite some time talking yes. about jetpacks. Jet <laughs> about the invention of jetpacks and how they work. And how it... Wow. So, okay. So we're now we're getting away from, they didn't recognize the aliens or angels because of wings, which they said earlier. Okay. We're, we're scrapping that. Now they had jetpacks. Like, but how, why are they flying around with jetpacks if they're this advanced race of aliens? Can you see them sweeping around the universe, like the universe, <laughs> through the atmosphere with a jetpack flying for months from planet to planet? I, I, was, I just had the most ridiculous images in my head. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Or they have the mothership and then they just beam up and down, you know, instead of having the teleportation apparatus, they have jetpacks from the spaceship. I mean, we are not very advanced compared to these aliens, according to them. And we do better than jetpacks. We have flights that actually drop us down. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to jump out with a parachute from the sky <laughs> trying to make it to the ground with a jetpack. No, and then they talk a lot about the vertical position, uh, jetpacks in general. And um, yeah, you bring up chariots, but the chariots is, again, if you don't speak ancient alien language, there's, again, they can't describe what they're seeing. 
with words, so they made up things that they know, such as chariots. But yeah, but they they talk about chariots a lot in the Hebrew Bible, including in the book of Enoch. <laughs> There's a chariot of fire in which they they sit on. There are winged creatures, and they talk about the, so they have the word, but that uh, that was coincidentally left out of of their story. They are really trying here to make the angels look evil for some reason. The, they move on to talk about because. Now we talked about some jetpacks made one producer very happy because maybe he really loved jetpacks. I don't know. It felt like it. <laughs> but we are moving on to talk about Abraham's story, how he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac and that convention religion thinks it's, it's just a test you know, to test Abraham's faith because the God in the Old Testament doesn't come up off as a jealous God who uh, killing people for even the smallest little thing. <laughs> he said, clearly that could not have been God ordering him to do that. What kind of God would do that? Have you read the Hebrew Bible? <laughs> it's full of st- He just killed an entire village of Sodom. I don't think that's that's too much to ask of of, of the Jewish gods to uh, okay, but yeah, I, at this point I yeah. was like, wow, now they're gonna talk about God and trying to dispute the Hebrew Bible, like ooh, tricky. Now you're gonna get all the evangelical Christians against you and the Jews and other religious people. Mm, somehow they managed to stay out of. Uh issues there maybe it will come one day but uh, Giorgio he th- says that no god would ask people to do like this no it's one of those evil aliens that hid hiding in the bushes and telling Abraham to do this and luckily some uh, good angel come and you know stopped <laughs> stopped all of this madness <laughs> but now you're doubting you know the whole Hebrew Bible at this point I don't know if I would dare to go that far. And we have a Rickard Raider that, again, clearly haven't uh, read the Bible, uh, saying something like, if an angel were to tell me I need to sacrifice my son, I would ask for some ID. <laughs> that's exactly how it went in the old days. <laughs> if God talked to you, like, well, can I see some ID here first, God, before I uh, follow your commandments? Always a good thing to oh, doubt, to doubt God. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good thing. Yep. So Philip Coppens, your countryman, comes in, basically repeats the whole why would God demand human sacrifice when he doesn't demand it anywhere else in the Bible, except for, you know, Jesus. Right. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and all that. But uh, yeah, the aliens wanted to prank us, or the bad aliens wanted to prank us, and the good aliens steps in. And they then wants to fill out some time mm-hmm. because I have no idea why they bring up the gin. No, yeah, no, me neither. And I'm, I'm not an, it's, it's, yeah. They bring up a cave called the Mailis Al Jin, meeting place of the gin. One of these times I felt, okay, they have short on five minutes and need to fill up some time. So, like, what other ali- uh, angels do we have somewhere in culture and history? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Muslims also have some, some angels. Let's put those in. Okay, good. Yeah, the jinn is an interesting topic. Usually they are depicted as evil, but you have good jinns too. They don't really go into that much details, but uh, on the screen we see um, Akkadian winged genies 
And I felt quite amazed that they didn't call this Anunnaki because they usually want to connect these depictions with the four-winged creatures with the pine cones. Sometimes the bird beaks uh, with the Anunnaki because the Anunnaki is the alien space race that gave everybody life. Oh, oh, okay, okay, I see. And again, they show winged creatures, but these have four wings if you would look closely on this. (laughs) But from here we move to ultra terrestrials because extraterrestrial i think you skipped a step because i also think that one of the reasons why they want to bring up the gin is because they want to oh. talk about the um rubbing the the oil lamp you know the, the, yeah, the story of getting the genie out of the bottle and then they're like well maybe an other way of these angels or the aliens to come and visit us is through holograms And so they didn't have the words to explain a hologram. So they just said a genie comes out of this device. And that's like an angel that comes out of this ancient artifact. Something like that, right? Yeah, or something. Yes, to what you're saying. But I'm not sure if there's, you know, they saw the angel with the hologram phone or if they found the hologram phone and picked it up and, you know, randomly call some et who was very surprised <laughs> I, i'm not sure but sure they'll do a future episode about time travel and how like these bottles with gins were actually modern devices that they used to like have hologram images from the modern times come and depict stuff well they have a theory that we are time travel space aliens so okay and then they they move on to the ultra terrestrials yeah because extra is never enough we have the supreme terrestrials and jason martell who always had his fanciful claims says that oh we all know that we all vibrate in three-dimensional space at a certain frequency I'm not sure what they're hinting at. Here, I mean, we uh, all know that, Frederick. Jesus. I mean, I wrote that like kindergarten. Of course, we vibrate in three-dimensional space at a certain frequency. Jesus, that's like basic knowledge. Come on. Well, in Sweden, the only reason we vibrate is because it's cold outside. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> maybe we just don't notice it. As <laughs> but yeah, ultra-terrestrial is some weird three-dimensional creature that would explain all supernatural creatures because right these are like creatures that live among (laughs) us but they vibrate at a different frequency so we cannot normally i guess see them or feel them yeah only when they sort of switch their frequency to one that we can feel or see and that's how sometimes these aliens will pop up and sometimes don't kind of thing. So it feels like they decide on a topic and then they try to find as much things about it. So somebody in the production team says, angels are aliens. And then they go and find some tired researcher who just trying to find 40 minutes of materials on the topic. And also this thing. And also this thing. So it all makes sense. Okay. Then they move on to make some seriously dangerous claims talk about mental disorders and that people who hear voices or having mental issues they hear literal aliens so they bring up son of sam herbert mullin the 
I forget his first name, but Apple White from Heaven's Gate saying that all of these heard people or heard voices. And of course, it's not mental disorder. It's aliens that whispers in their ears. To those different frequencies. And so they can hear them or something. And you bring up the son of Sam even admitted that he made it all. Yeah, you should watch the show Mindhunters. I don't know if you have. (laughs) It's a really good show. It's about the start of researchers researching serial killers. So the very invention of the word Ah. serial killer by this special department of the FBI. And then they go around and they interview serial killers in different prisons, trying to understand the psychological profile Mm. of these people, et cetera, et cetera. So in the show, they actually also go and visit Son of Sam, who claims that he was influenced by a demon dog to kill people. Um, but then years later, of course, after this show premiered, he has admitted that he just made it all up. Yeah, I like that show. I keep mixing it up with another one of those. But saying that people with mental disorders or mental illness, what they hear is real. That's Blame anything on like, oh, aliens yeah. made me do it. Um, kind of <laughs> reminds me of the story where like a lot of like there have been these cases where American mostly like politicians, evangelicals who have cheated Mm. on their wives or who have abused women or whatever will then go publicly and say, I'm sorry, it was just like (laughs) Satan took over or the demons made me do it. You wonder who the narrator is. And that's a fella who is named Robert Clothworthy. Are you familiar with the StarCraft games? Uh, Not entirely. I don't think so. No, but he's a character in there, Jim Rayner. He's in Grand Theft Auto Five and uh, things like that. So he, he, he's quite busy. He's one of those I can't really place. I've found some interviews with him. And then it's more, you know, the political correct, always up to the audience to, you know, the term for themselves, sort of. Hey, I want to keep my job. Don't ask me these type of questions. <laughs> like, who can go out, out on that TV show and, like, say with a straight face, like, all these ridiculous statements that they make or these dangerous statements that they make? I mean, don't you feel some sort of moral obligation to not put those and, ideas out? Uh, yeah, he goes on to saying that uh, this is every actor's dream job because they have lost for a while and they are 18 season counting. So, of course, he should be <laughs> blessed. And, but if you look him up on his Twitter, he posts things, you know, alien-related news that's not related to the show. Oh, okay. So I think he is one of those that he might not be a believer, but he has so much financial gain in it now that he won't come out and say something against it. Right, right. Just as I think, don't think Giorgio Sukalos or Van Dana can really believe these type of things. But for example, if we would look at your countryman, Philip Coppens, I think he is a believer, while Giorgio and Van Daniken is more, it puts them in the limelight and it puts money in their pockets. Those three aren't consistent in their claims. They would say whatever as long as they put, are in front of the camera or get a book deal out of it. Right. I mean, yeah, there were already a lot yeah. of internal <laughs> contradictions in this episode. <laughs> Clearly, they will just say whatever they feel like in that moment that would fit their theory that they're talking about. So, 
But yeah, there's different levels of them as I've started to gain. So there's the believers, but they are always consistent. They stay on that topic and they don't wander all over while some others, you know, they, oh, give me money. I tell you whatever you want to hear sort of way. But yeah, it it especially came up to me because we were talking about these dangerous statements um, that I was like, wow, how can you just like put that out there and like look yourself (laughs) in the mirror? Like this could have consequences. This is not just like fun entertainment. This could actually have whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it could lead to somebody who doesn't seek treatment for something because, yeah, the TV said it was real. But yeah, it's a bit scary. And we're getting to the last part, Angels of Roswell. Again, we open up on Mount Hermon because it's been the important topic and the Book of Enoch comes up again because now we want to tie everything together and they talk about something like... 200 fallen angels. I'm not really sure. Uh, but Bill Barnes thinks that the Middle East is an alien hotspot due to all the portals. Right. So because... he says, like, oh, we have so many examples in the Middle East of these <laughs> angels. We have them in, in Mesopotamian and Babylonian and Syria. Because clearly the Middle East is a hotspot for ancient aliens. I'm like, okay, but isn't that because you only looked at that? part of the world like clearly we live in a western christian world right our origin stories lay in the middle east this is something that we are most familiar with okay you mentioned the the quran a couple of times like one or two minutes but that's also middle east but you didn't talk anything at all about ancient china or ancient india or other places so you haven't even looked at other cultures or mythologies so in this case because they wouldn't fit right (laughs) probably (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i can't really remember much uh, wings and you know the angel concepts in uh, mesoamerican folklore or uh, native american or chinese because as you said previously it's all within the context of the mediterranean and civilizations that you know interact with each other and exchanging ideas of course you will have angel stories in well, the Middle East. <laughs> but as you clearly know, Mount Hermon is on the 33rd parallel. And do you know what the on the other side of the globe on the 33rd parallel is too? No, I do not, well, Eric. Tell me. It's Roswell in New Mexico. Well, that cannot be a coincidence. Wow. No, and there, according to your show, if you draw a line exactly across the globe, you will... You know, have a straight line and they love to make that claim. It never works out for them because now you can look up the coordinates and sure they are both on 33 parallel, but they are, you know, wide from each other. So you don't get a straight line. It's more, you know, the edge. In the last episode, they tried this with a bunch of French cities claiming, oh, if you start in Calais and go south, you get a straight line. So... Of course, you don't get a straight line. Or on a flattened map. On a flattened map. So the line, go, when I looked them up, went all across the <laughs> all across France. And I even had to go to some uh, French friends because I couldn't find some villages. And it was because those villages don't exist. So they make up <laughs> villages to get a straight line. And it didn't work out for them anyway. But did you know that if you have Mount Hermon and go just 
on the other side of the globe, you get the Roswell. Isn't that strange? Did you know that? I did. I did not. <laughs> that cannot be coincidence that that one other place that we also know aliens were. So I actually went to Roswell, Frederick, uh, last year. I went on a personal holiday to New Mexico <laughs> and I wanted to go to Roswell. Um, but Roswell is pretty big. It's actually a yeah. giant region. <laughs> And so we went downtown and we visited like the, the touristy stuff, the little alien center that they have there and the museums and the gift shop and whatever. But then we wanted to go to the crash site. And actually the crash site is like over a hundred kilometers away. It's 120 kilometers away wow. from downtown Roswell. It's not even close to the city of Roswell. It's closer to another city called Corona in New Mexico. Yeah. New Mexico is giant. So if they're claiming that the crash site of the aliens was on the same line as Mount Hermon, that that claim is, you can just throw that out because it was not, it was yeah. like 40 or 45 parallel north. So, so they, they must have just opened Google Maps or whatever and just like looked whatever lays <laughs> on the world on, the, on that line and find a city that could have anything to do with aliens and then came up yeah. with Roswell, but it's not. It's not the, the crash site. And then my, my husband this morning said, well, they crashed, you know. They wanted to go to Roswell. They just didn't make <laughs> it all the way to there. <laughs> Clearly, they the meant to land on the 30th. <laughs> they just didn't make it that far. <laughs> they intended to. And the claim is also that it's the polar opposite between them, which it's not. If you have the polar opposite of Mount Hermon, you end up in the Pacific. Right, because polar opposite, you also have to go like diagonally across the globe, yeah. right? Not just yeah on the same line. So that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're always going to find some numbers that, that link up. Come on. Without any parameters, context, want to line up something, two things will sooner or later line up <laughs> i mean yeah we have built this world so full of stuff that two things will line up at some point if you look hard enough yeah and isn't that picky with time periods or you know connections but well we have uh, mr wilcup ending it saying that we should wake up and uh, maybe he should wake up <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild ride frederick I, it took me a couple of days trying to process everything that I saw. <laughs> what, I, what I mostly find, I mean, I guess it's a good tactic for them. It's that it's so random. They go from uh -huh. one thing to the other without building up. If this was like an essay that one of my students would write, I would like, okay, I would say there's a, good, a lot of good ideas in there, but you have to build up your argument, right? You have to start from somewhere and then give me, a, yeah. you know, evidence piece A, evidence piece B, then put them together and then come to a conclusion. There's no line in this episode. It goes from one thing to another thing without any connections. And then the end, they're like, Ta -da! and we showed all the evidence. Now you believe it. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I have uh, our theory or pet theory is to keep all the stoned people entertained. I'll try that next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if the, you don't have the quick uh, things happen, the rapid things, you know, they will lose interest. Or it is the whole, well, we 
select a topic and then we try to fill the episode with everything. And when you do it like that, you, of course, get some issues. Very lazy editing. Let's talk one minute about this, two minutes about this, five minutes about this, end of the episode. And I can tell you that production-wise, this is better than season one. A lot better. And the episode in season one was one and a half hour a piece. <laughs> in the same manner, you know, the quick <laughs> shops, nothing really ties together. And uh, one and a half hour of that. <laughs> Tina, if people would want to hear more from you or read more for you from you, uh, where should they go? Um, I would just say Google my name. It really, it really is the easiest. Um, I'm on Twitter. I have a website. I also have my dissertation. So I wrote my dissertation on coin hoards found in ancient synagogues in Israel, looking at the magical aspects of um, coin hoards from a scientific point of view. I uh, do have to warn you, it has nothing like <laughs> ancient aliens in it. No uh, aliens. No. And that is, the website is um, ancientsynagoguecoins.com. So ancientsynagoguecoins, one word, dot com. And then you'll find all the information there. And that's it. Fantastic. It was a great time speaking with you. And I will let you go and try to forget the whole experience now as good as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Frederick. Again, a big thank you to Dr. Tina Russell. You should really go and look up her produce. And if you are in need of a biblical archaeologist, well, you know now where to look for one. If you like a good silver hoard, and who doesn't, you should really look into Tina's dissertation on ancient synagogue coins. All her links and projects can be found on this week's show notes. Remember to leave a positive review anywhere you can, such as iTunes, Spotify, or to your friend at the trench. I would also recommend you to visit diggingupancientaliens.com to find more info about me and the podcast. You can also find me on most social media sites, and if you have comments, corrections, or suggestions, or you're one of those persons who really wants to write one of those emails in all caps, You can find my contact info on the website. And on the website you will of course find all the sources and resources used to create this podcast. And you will also find further reading suggestions if you want to learn more about the subjects we bring up. The intro music was created by Alexander Nakarada. And our outro is made by Tralskruv who will sing us out with their song Tinfoil Hat. Links to both these artists will be found in the show notes. Until next time, keep shoveling that science. Sorry, if you hear it in the background, <laughs> we're having a big thunderstorm for the moment in North Carolina. <laughs> you can't help it. I closed oh, the windows, no. but it's not loud. <laughs>
<laughs> Sorry. I thought your cat or something knocked <laughs> something over. <laughs> no, it's literally, it's, we're talking about aliens and I don't think God is amused or the aliens are amused. <laughs> They're trying to interfere with our recording. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. Remember that we have a subscription going on. You can become a patron or other subscriber for as little as $2.50 per episode. Go to diggingupancientaliens.com slash support. That is, go to diggingupancientaliens.com slash support to read more information and sign up right there.